We give you all thanks and praise. King Jesus, we bow before you and honor you and submit ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your faithfulness to us even on the cross, even to the cross. And we give you thanks and praise for the new life um, that we have in you. Teach us, Lord, uh, we pray from your word. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I'm in trouble when I start crying during my opening prayer. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's really great to see you all um, here uh, tonight. And um, what a joy to have so many uh, churches represented, as uh, Rick said, um, uh, the outside. Uh, as many of you know, I met many of you. My name's Christian. I'm from Church of the Cross the proud mother church of Restoration Anglican. A number of years ago, or not that many, a few years ago, um, uh, uh, my wife and I with our church, Church of the Cross, applied for a, um, a grant uh, for um, a sabbatical trip we were hoping to take, and we got the, the grant, um, and uh, we were waiting to hear back. We had actually applied for this grant a number of years earlier and had not gotten it, uh, so we knew it was a long shot, but we were hoping this time uh, that the foundation that awards these grants would say yes. And it was a Sunday morning. I was getting ready for the, the church service. I was about to go into the room where we meet and pray before the service. And as I was walking through the church office, I saw an envelope um, in the church mailbox, in my mailbox, from the Lilly Foundation. I tore it open. I read that we had been given um, the grant. I was overjoyed. My wife Molly was actually out of town visiting another church. I tried to call her. She was unavailable. She apparently had turned off her phone in church um, and was paying attention to the worship. Uh, I was very annoyed because I thought, I can't tell anybody until I tell Molly. I mean, we have been praying about this. I mean, again, our whole church had, but I wanted her to be the first to hear the news. Um, so I went into the service, and Rick was assisting that day, and we were sitting together in the front of the church. And we got to the announcement time, and I was like, I just can't hold it anymore. I, I have to tell someone. So I leaned over to Rick as the announcements were happening, and he knew that we were waiting here from this um, uh, foundation. And I said, we got the grant. Whispered it. We got the grant. And Rick, almost yelling, said, that's awesome! Um, and our, uh, whoever was giving the announcements that day stopped, looked at us, kind of annoyed, and then we started giggling uh, like school kids who had just gotten in trouble with the teacher. And uh, uh, anyway, so Molly was the second person to learn. Uh, Rick was the first uh, that day. And I share that because, Rick, you are just such a person I love celebrating with. Um, it's a joy to celebrate with you. And you have such a generous spirit and such an infectious joy. And when I come and worship here at Restoration, which I've had the honor and joy to do many times, I, I feel that same generosity. I just feel that bigness of your spirits and how much you all love being together and how much you love being together with the Lord, right, and in Christ, worshiping him. And it's a joy to see what Molly and I first experienced with Rick and Molly and their kids, we experience whenever we're here. And so for those of us that are here tonight from other churches celebrating with you, just know it is our honor to celebrate with you. Your joy is our joy, and I, I truly mean that. I want to reflect just briefly uh, tonight, um, or this afternoon, from um, the Haggai reading. And uh, I know Rick shared with me that he's been preaching through um, these different uh, passages, these different readings that have been set apart for building consecration um, services. And so I know he preached um, from Haggai. He actually challenged me and said, I don't think you can preach as good of a Haggai sermon as I did. 
which is funny. I don't know if you knew how competitive Rick is about preaching. He loves to challenge people. Um, that's not true. Uh, but I did listen to his Haggai sermon. I loved it, but I thought I could do better. No, I, I didn't think that. I thought, I'm going to build. I'm going to build. He's done all the hard work of studying it, and I'll just say a few things. But um, the first thing I want to say, I just have two points. But the first point in regard to this Haggai reading to you, uh, Restoration, is to encourage you to celebrate your smallness. To celebrate that, yes, you are small. What do I mean by that? Well, in this reading, the Israelites have um, uh, returned home. Many of them have returned from exile back to the promised land. And in the first chapter of Haggai, the Lord confronts the people through Haggai, through his prophet, because they're not caring for his temple, for the house of the Lord. They're caring more for their own homes than the house of the Lord. And so they begin to rebuild the temple and work on the temple. And we have this moment as they are rebuilding the temple that the Lord again speaks to them through Haggai. And sort of surprisingly, you can read that in verse 3, he says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? It almost feels like the Lord's being kind of mean. <laughs> They're kind of teasing them. You know, you, you're working on this temple. I told you to work on the temple. But let's be honest. As you look at it, it's kind of disappointing. And if there are any of you that remember, right, the splendor of the temple, right, that, that Solomon built that is now being rebuilt, you know that this one is not very impressive. I don't think the Lord's being mean there, of course, but I think he does want them to see their smallness, to see, yeah, what you've done, it's really not that impressive. Now, to say to celebrate your smallness does not mean um, insignificance, right? Because again, it's Almighty God who's speaking to them. And Rick did speak powerfully about this in his sermon. He, he connected it to how we feel right now as we're gathering again after COVID and after so many divisions in our country and our world. And as many of us are feeling beat up and worn out, probably a bit like they felt, the Lord speaks to us in those moments. Right? He comes to us in our moments where we feel overwhelmed and lost and discouraged and when we feel not very impressive and the Lord comes to us. So they are significant. They're so significant that he said to them, rebuild my house, right? It matters what you do. Care for my home, for I right, dwell there. I glorify myself through that home. So they're not insignificant, but he is calling them to see their smallness, right? How, celebrating our smallness helps us to see how big the Lord is. Right? When we remember how small we are, we remember how much we need him and how huge and big and grand and powerful he is. And when we think about that, and we think about who's speaking to them at this moment, it is Almighty God, then it's not just, right, the rebuilt temple that's not that impressive, right, in light of who God is and what God does. I mean, how impressive was the temple in its glory days, right, in the height of Solomon's power, right? Did that temple in any way compare to God's creation? Right? I mean, he blesses the work of our hands, Right, but if we looked at that temple right next to the Rocky Mountains, right, or maybe even next to a tree on a fall day in Minnesota on a sunny fall day, we'd say, I mean, that's a great temple, but man, maybe it's not quite that impressive. Right? The Lord says, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Right? And so what temple, right, what work of man could possibly compare to his glory? And so it's good. Right? It's good for us to see our smallness. 
Now, I think as I already made clear, I love this church um, uh, very much, certainly in my top five uh, favorite churches, so, uh, so without a doubt. So I love this church. But hear me, uh, and hear me right when I say, I don't think it's because this church is so great that God gave you this building. I, I don't actually think it's because he's so impressed with you, even though I think the Lord is impressed with your faithfulness. I think he does think you're great, right? You're his children, you're his bride. But I don't think that's the main reason he's giving you this building. Right? He's giving it to you because he will be glorified. Right? I'm going to get a little bit like my brother here. Right? He will be glorified. Right? It is for his glory, and his glory will continue to shine out from here. Praise God for the faithful ministry of Mount Zion. Lutheran, right? I mean, that God has been glorified in this place. There has been a gospel presence here for years and years. And they are such a kingdom mindset that when they realized it was their time to pass on this building, they did so selling it for $1. I mean, that's a kingdom mindset. That's where they're saying, this isn't about us. It's not ultimately about Mount Zion. It is about the Lord being known. And in this space, may the justice of the Lord be known. Right? May the um, saving power of the Lord be known. May the healing power of Jesus be proclaimed and go out. Go out into South Minneapolis and throughout the cities, throughout Minnesota, throughout the world. Right? The Lord has glorified himself here, and he will glorify himself again here. And I know it's a bit of a Christian cliche to say it's not about you, but it is not about you. Right? It is about his work. And that's actually joyful, right? When we celebrate that, when we celebrate our smallness, right, we can give thanks. Right? There's a sense in which the pressure's off. Right? It's not about us. I'm sure you are feeling pressure right now. Oh, my goodness, we have this building, this incredible building, this incredible space. I mean, I remember meeting here um, early on when Restoration was just first, you know, starting to talk about starting a church. I look around and think, man, can you imagine being in this building, <laughs> right? Never knowing beyond our imagination the Lord would give it, right? And so if you're feeling that pressure, right, the good news is it's not about you. I've been thinking about, uh, especially reflecting on this passage, and those words, be strong, it reminds uh, me of um, Joshua 1. I'm sure that's on purpose, right? I think the Lord is recalling the first chapter of Joshua. And there's lots of parallels. I was thinking about that, right? Moses laid hands on Joshua, right? Sort of passed off the ministry to him, right? You have Mount Zion, a very Moses-like name, in a sense laying hands on you, restoration, and passing on the ministry in this building to you, right? I mean, such a humble passing on, as, as Moses showed, to Joshua. But I read that first chapter of Joshua, and I think, what kind of pressure did that guy feel, right? Taking over after Moses, Right, Moses set them free from Egypt. The Lord set them free. But through Moses, Moses led them out. Right, Moses, right, the Lord through Moses gave the law. And now Joshua has to take over for that. But what does the Lord say to Joshua? Right, I am with you. Be strong, be courageous, for I'm with you. As I was with Moses, I will also be with you. And that sets our minds back. And remember Moses at the burning bush Right, when he was told that he was going to lead the people out of Egypt, and he said, you know, don't, don't make me do it, Lord. Right, have someone else do it. And the Lord had to say to him, I'll be your mouth. Right, who created your mouth? I'll speak through you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So we celebrate your smallness. And yet, and yet what else did the Lord say to Joshua? And after he said, I'll be with you, he said, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land. And so there's both no pressure, this is my work, but do the work. And actually it's through you that the people will go into the promised land, not through Moses, 
but through you. And we see that as well here. Right? I mean, after, or actually, it's, it, comes, it comes after, right in the middle there, work, work. Right? I mean, the Lord's made it very clear right, at the end, right? I will do this, right? I will glorify myself. I will, um, uh, I will fill the house with my glory. The silver and gold are mine. I will give peace, right? So it's clearly the Lord's work, but he also tells them, you work. You have responsibility. You have a duty. And so even as I say celebrate your smallness, the second thing I want to emphasize is celebrate the immensity of the calling God has given you. Feel the weight of that responsibility that the Lord has given you. Yes, right, you are small compared to him, but he has called you. He has chosen to minister through you. He has chosen to give you um, this building to steward and care for, right? It is his building, it is his church. But as Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand it. The, the Lord Jesus will actually use his church, use us, imperfect us, small us, to come against the very gates of hell, to ultimately bring an end to evil and to bring his kingdom. And he's using us for that. So I encourage you to celebrate that calling. I was struck in the passage. I'm drop my bulletin. I'm dropping my notes. In the passage, it brings home, right, we're just one small part of God's work, right, but we are a part of God's work. And in being one small part, it's sort of like we're part of all that God does, right? And so, and the Lord says in verse 5, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And I imagine them hearing that and saying, well, wait a second, we didn't come out of Egypt, right? That was a long, long time ago. That was our, our forefathers. You didn't make that covenant with us. You made it with them. But the Lord's saying, no, no, I made it with you, right? You who are small, right, are part of my grand work. You have continuity. You have connection with what I did in the past, and you have connection with what I did in the future. And so when I said your joy is our joy, restoration, I really mean that, right? We're connected. Your building, in a sense, is our building, right? What God is doing here, God is doing in his church. And so we're all a part of it. And so even as we say we're small, we just play one small role in God's kingdom, we're part of God bringing his kingdom. We are part of something that is huge. And we can feel the weight of that. We can feel the immensity of that. And that is the Lord's kindness to us. It's the Lord's goodness to us that he gives us responsibility. And it may not always feel like that. And there may be times for your, your parish council and for your leadership and for you volunteers where you feel a little bit like, why did the Lord give us responsibility for this building? But no, it's a gift because he trusts you. Right? He, he's called you to this. Many years ago when I did an internship, at the end of my seminary studies, I, I worked at a church um, in Indiana. And just as I was starting the internship, I think it was my second week, um, the pastor of the church, the senior pastor, came in and said, um, uh, hey, uh, one of our members just went into the hospital, and I'd like you to go and visit them. And I told him, you know, I've never done a hospital visit before. I have no idea what to do. And he said, well, good. This will be a great experience for you. And then he walked out of the room. <laughs> he gave, told me what the hospital was, told me the person's name, and that was it. And driving to the hospital, I was so mad at him. I was like, why did I take this internship with this guy? I can't believe it. He's so mean that he would do this uh, to me. And I don't remember how the visit went. I would guess I was not a non-anxious presence um, in that hospital room of at that time. But I do remember as I drove home after that visit, thinking how thankful I was for that pastor, Peter Larson. I am so thankful for him. Because right? he actually he 
pushed me in the deep end, but he said, you can do it. You know, you've had three years of seminary. You can do a hospital visit. You can do it. Man, I drove home and I was like, wow, I'm a pastor now. You know, I've prayed for someone in the hospital. I've, I've read scripture to them. And the man I had resented a few minutes before, I was so thankful for. So I pray that you would just continue to be thankful that God has given you this great responsibility that God's entrusted you. It's because he loves you. Because he, he believes in you and he will bring glory through you. Finally, I would just say as we think of that tension, God's work, our work, not really a tension, but those, that reality, right, that, that we work, but he works within us, that there's no pressure because it's all about him, and yet he's called us to a great responsibility, that that would continue to just bring you to a place of being on your knees, and that when we pray, right, we remember who the Lord is, we remember how big he is, we remember how small we are, and yet we engage in the mystery that our prayers actually make a difference. That Almighty God has arranged things in such a way that when we pray, things change. You prayed for a building, you prayed for this building, and God has given it to you in an answer to prayer. And so continue to, to pray. May the responsibility, the joyful responsibility, may your smallness continue to put you on your knees. And I thought it'd be appropriate to have Rick close us up in prayer at this moment. Lord Jesus Christ, we are just still in awe that this is happening. Um, yes, Lord, we just praise you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, may you use us. Use every man, woman, and child in this room. Use us, Lord, for your kingdom. Amen. <clears throat>